0: Welcome to Macro Monday on Investec Focus Radio SA, a podcast about what's driving global and local markets. I'm Chris Holdsworth, Chief Investment Strategist at Investec Wealth and Investment. Every Monday morning, I'll update you on key developments from the past week and what you need to know about the week ahead. If you'd prefer to watch a video with the graphs and charts I referred to in the podcast, just go to investec.com forward slash Macromonday.
1: Good morning. This week, we're going to have a look at the latest developments with regards to growth in the U.S. and Europe. We'll have a look at European inflation, which is surprising on the downside. We'll have a look at the interest rate trajectory across developed markets. And finally, we'll do a review of the medium-term budget policy statement in South Africa. We're going to start off with growth. The latest data suggests a material slowdown in U.S. economic activity. This is from the Atlanta Fed. They've got a, what's known as a now nowcast, which is a very timely estimate of GDP growth based on the latest data that comes through and based on their model GDP growth in the U.S. in Q4 so far is running at about one percent down from 4.9 percent last quarter and that estimate from the Atlanta Fed has in fact halved over the past week and a bit or so. So there's clear signs of a deceleration in economic activity in the U.S. A similar model in Europe provides an estimate of around about minus 0.25% growth. So the latest data suggests that growth in the U.S. is is pretty weak at the moment and growth in Europe is negative. Now, the consensus forecast at this point is still for a roughly 50% chance of recession in both the U.S. and in Europe. And those numbers seem a little light when one looks at the leading indicators for economic activity in the U.S., and we've touched on that over the past couple of months, and the latest data in Europe, which suggests that growth is running at a negative rate in this quarter, and it was negative for last quarter too. So there does seem to be some upside risk to consensus estimates of recession in both Europe and in the U.S. Now, speaking of economic data that has been decelerating, the non-farm payrolls data which came out on Friday was a material miss. Not only was the number about 30,000 below consensus, The previous two months were revised down by a collective 101,000 jobs. That's a pretty sizable revision, and it just adds to the collection of downward revisions to the non-farm payrolls numbers that we've seen over the past year or so. It's fairly regularly been the case. The numbers come out, been quite good, and then subsequently been revised down. Given the latest numbers, quite clearly the case that we are seeing a slowdown in the labor market in the U.S., If we look over time in history and when the yield curve has typically inverted, it would normally be within the next couple of months that we would expect to see non-farm payrolls growth flatline. And that would be consistent with the recessionary call. So we'll wait to see what's going to happen over the next couple of months. But it's quite clearly the case already that the leading indicator suggests that there is going to be a slowdown. We'll touch on some of that shortly. The unemployment rate also ticked up slightly it's up to 3.9%, which is still very low by historical standards, but that's reason for concern. Typically, low unemployment periods coincide with low equity returns. If you look at the data going back from the 50s up until the back end of, of last year, environments that have seen a low unemployment rate have also seen very low real returns for equities. And the current period is no exception. If you look From the period at which the unemployment rate dropped below 4%, which was in December 2021, from then up until now, the S&P, from a total return perspective, has been negative, well below the cumulative inflation of around about 5.5% over that period. So this is just one reason for concern. A low unemployment rate typically indicates that you're at the top end of the cycle, that you do a material slowdown. We're now starting to see signs of that slowdown. As a result, we are defensively positioned for that and a few other reasons, and there's limited reason for us to shift away from our defensive position just yet. Now, on some of those leading indicators that suggest a slowdown for the labour market ahead, we've got survey data from the NFIB survey that typically are smaller companies. Are you planning to hire over the next 12 months? And they're indicating that, that they're not, and that typically would coincide with a weaker labour market. In addition, they ask, are you likely to increase wages in the next 12 months? And In aggregate, there's no real rush from smaller businesses to increase wages materially over the coming 12 months. And that also suggests that wage growth is unlikely to be very strong. If you look at the manufacturing PMI data, there's typically a strong relationship with the labour market going back to the 60s. The latest data has been quite weak from the manufacturing sector, suggesting they reduce some weakness in the labour market as well. In addition, there are a couple of other signs of trouble in the data. If you look at the number of people employed in the trucking industry, that's declined quite materially. Typically, that coincides with a recession. And if you look at wage growth for people in working in restaurants as, as an indication of wage growth at the low end, it's now sitting at below 3%, below inflation. So there's certainly no tightness in the labour market at the low end anymore. And some key sectors are flagging concern concern, So we see no reason at this point to shift away from our view that a recession is forthcoming and that is likely to imply trouble for the labor market. And we should be defensively positioned in that environment.
0: We hope you find this podcast valuable. If you are, please take a moment to rate investig Focus Radio SA on your podcast platform. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, please
1: remember to follow us. Switching to Europe european inflation declined quite materially came in below consensus it's now at 2.9 percent so not too far away from the central bank target of around two so one would expect in the not too distant future they are going to shift their tone there is still a fairly wide range of inflation data across europe which makes it quite difficult for the ecb that range has started to narrow but it is still problematic as inflation continues to decline, we would expect to see this range continue to narrow, and that would make life a bit easier for the ECB. But in the interim, they are likely to be facing a difficult problem. You can only have one interest rate, but you've got a, a range of different economic growth rates and inflation rates. That's going to mean that in, the interest rates are too high for some European economies, and they're going to be too low for others. Sticking with Europe, but switching to growth, European growth in last quarter was at minus 0.1% annualised, you're looking at about minus 0.4%, well below the annualised growth in the US of 4.9%, so a clear difference between the two. Given that the Q4 number we mentioned right at the top is tracking negative, it looks quite likely that Europe is, is in recession as we speak, and those consensus forecasts need to shift up. Switching to growth forecasts for next year, is quite interesting at the moment, the consensus forecast is that growth will be 1% in the US, in Europe, and Japan over the next year. It's not often the case that those economies have growth rates that similar. It's also not often the case that consensus forecasts for growth pan out to be correct. So this is something we'll have to keep a very close eye on over the coming year. Differences in GDP matter immensely for equity returns. They matter immensely for currencies too. So we'll have to get a handle on it. But at the moment, the consensus view is At the moment, the consensus view is for convergence of GDP growth rate at a low rate for developed markets, well below what we see in emerging markets, China as an example. Switching to interest rate expectations, last week we had a meeting from the Fed, from the ECB, the BOE and the Bank of Japan. All of them kept rates flat. Amongst them, Ex-Japan, they're all expected to cut rates from around about the middle of next year. And the Bank of Japan is then expected to increase rates a bit beyond that. If we take into consideration everything we've said up until now, if we look at Europe as an example, inflation is looking like it's under control, but Europe is looking like it's in a recession. Under that environment, you would expect to see a rate cut sooner than the middle of next year. It's a similar story in the US. Given the leading indicators for employment, we would expect to see a slowdown. Given that inflation looks to be increasingly under control in the US too, we'd also expect to see a cut before the middle of next year. So, the consensus view is that central banks are going to continue to be hawkish for the next eight months or so. We expect that they're more likely to respond to the ter- deteriorating growth environment through a rate cut from about the, the end of Q1 next year. Lastly, year on South Africa, we had the medium term budget policy statement come out last week. There were no massive surprises government announced that revenue is going to come in below the February forecast by around about 60 billion rand. That was roughly in line with our forecast. They lowered their growth forecast, but now they're roughly in line with consensus. So no big surprise there. There were two points, I think, worth mentioning from the medium term budget policy statement. The first is, as is standard, there's no budgeting set aside for the NHI yet. We'll keep a very close eye on that, but nothing has been set aside for that just yet. And secondly, government expects to meet the requirements to get off the grey list by the beginning of 2025. Now, the fact that these numbers came out roughly in line with consensus and the Treasury expects a primary surplus for the foreseeable future, that is, they are actively addressing the deficit and trying to improve it, along with the guidance of meeting the grey listing requirements to our 2025, saw a positive response from the market, both from the currency and the bond yields we'll have to keep a very close eye on those tax receipts we do provide a monthly update on this the next key number is going to be the december tax receipts after that we'll provide a final estimate of where revenue is likely to be relative to the medium term budget policy statement and that will lead into the budget in feb next year and that's where we're going to leave it for this week
0: That's all for this episode. Do tune in next week for more investment insights from me, Chris Holdsworth, and the Investec Wealth and Investment team. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, you can subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you listen. And please take a minute to rate our podcast so we can surface this content to the broader investment community. If you want to see the graphs that are referenced in the podcast, you can watch a video version of this recording at investec.com forward slash Macromonday. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of Investec Wealth and Investment International and should not be taken as advice, guidance or recommendation. Investec Wealth and Investment International A member of the JSC equity, equity derivatives, currency derivatives, bond derivatives and interest rate
1: derivatives markets An authorized financial services provider and a registered credit provider.